We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Monday morning. It's November 27th and it's good to be back. I appreciate everyone kind of waiting around last week as I was out of town. No shows since before Thanksgiving. So we obviously didn't get to talk about the win over the Sixers or the loss against the Kings. But we got Chris Hine here today and not a super interesting uh wolves grizzlies <laughs> game from from sunday night so maybe we'll we'll touch on some sixers and kings things uh there too chris how are you doing i'm good this is like a, a little role reversal today usually it's me who's at the road game and is telling you about what it was like to be there and instead you were well there. i have some news for you you weren't there. Uh, I, I am in Memphis. Oh, you are in Memphis. But, but I did not go to the game last oh, night. We shoot. had we had a couple of uh COVID positive tests oh, at family Thanksgiving. Oh my bad. Uh, okay. So I uh I I did not go. I didn't want to ri- I didn't want to risk any. I didn't want to be the reason. Did you put that on Twitter because I completely missed it. If you, I completely missed no, it. I did put it on Twitter. Okay, okay. No, no, no. And I probably should have mentioned I just, it I before just, we got started yeah. here. I just knew that you were going to be going there. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Dane's there. That's right." And and uh, well, that was yeah, the plan. That. Yeah, that was that was the plan. Well, hope um, everybody's doing okay. Yeah, no, no, we're we're all right, and I, I'm I'm okay. I just okay. I just felt like you know they did want to go into the locker room, and, correct? And, yeah. be, and be that guy. So yeah, normally when we have you on, we kind of like recap like what have they been saying in the locker room over the weekend mm-hmm. or what's been going on around the team. We don't know that exactly because neither right. of us you had the weekend off uh i've been in this hotel room for a while <laughs> um so uh we, we could just talk we could just talk about the game uh, i think the the main thing there last night was another dominant defensive performance uh by this team i mean i think maybe memphis helped out a little bit last night they're not exactly right. a great offensive team but I really liked your story uh, over the weekend on kind of the genesis and how this defense uh, came together. Obviously, we've heard some things about this and how Chris Finch and Elston Turner, the defensive coordinator, and Rudy Gobert have kind of like put their heads together uh, to to make this, this defense work. But you wrote the story on it. Um, 
rather than getting into the nitty gritty about how they held the Memphis Grizzlies under a uh, hundred points. <laughs> I'm interested in talking about how good this team has been defensively and, and more so why from a um, working together standpoint, I guess uh, they've been that way. Yeah. So I, when they got off to the start, I, I kind of was like, and I remember from reporting out a story late last year that I always knew that the defense was kind of a, this, this constant communication between Finch, Tur- Elson Turner and, and Rudy. And so I just kind of wanted to revisit that kind of dynamic and just see how that's working again this year. What, what have they done for maybe year one to year two that they learned wasn't working last year that they applied this year and just how that collaboration is going. And I think that the big thing I learned is that Finch kind of expressed some regret for how they played defense last season in some ways, especially the whole, when Rudy's on the floor, we're going to do drop. When he's not on the floor, we're going to play, you know, like high wall or we're going to do, mm-hmm. we're going to do it completely differently. He, not that it was confusing for the big men to handle that last season, but it was confusing for everybody else to, to always remember like what was what in a given situation. Uh, that, he, that line yeah. stood out to me. Yeah. So he, he, he said that that didn't quite work. So they had to streamline things a little more and they did as the season went along last year as well. Um, but they had to kind of make things one unit kind of working in cohesion so that they didn't, they didn't have this kind of confusion with the other four guys, uh, three, four guys on the floor. Um, so coming into this year, there was a sense of we can't just play straight drop coverage because we're not really utilizing the good perimeter defenders that we have if we're just kind of playing this more conservative style, sure. right? Even though Rudy's very good at it, and they could probably have a good defense doing so. Oh, they did last year, And they right? did, right, and they yeah. did. They but maybe did, not great. Maybe not a great defense. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of this notion of – kind of combining in some ways the ways that they played defense the last two years, you know, moving around, scrambling high wall with Rudy's ability to defend the rim in the drop. But what does that look like? Mm. Well, it means you still have some kind of low man principles, but Rudy's getting back there as quickly as he can. It means Rudy's got to guard the perimeter. Sometimes it means Carl's got to guard the perimeter. Nas has to guard the perimeter. Um, and so it means all these guys are kind of involved in actions. And the what what Fibs said has kind of stood out to them is that, you know, Kat and Nas are much better at doing this than they thought they were going to be. Right. That's and the that, thing that stands that, out, right? Mm-hmm. Just 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 watching is I mean, we, we, we talked about this twelve months ago, right? Like yeah. what toggle, that was the word, right? We're like right. toggling between right. the two the two different schemes and and I, I do think we were all somewhat kind of on to the idea of like, all right, what's what is that going to be like for Anthony Edwards to be for him to be toggling between two different styles, even if he's not the big uh, up in the action. I thought, though, the, the one person I thought it was going to be really difficult for and, and for anyone, it would be was Carl specifically. Yeah. Right. Going from. All right. Are you the five? And now you're playing drop into now Rudy's subbed in or out of the game and now you've switched and in that like I think that's part of the reason why we're seeing Carl's best defensive season probably of his career is what he's doing individually is streamlined plus 
the players he's playing with seem to know that what he's doing is streamlined. Like I always, that's where my eye goes first. Always when I'm watching sure. defenses is the center and, and what they're being, what they're being asked to do. And I think it's kind of, it's the center of the four, right? It, it's kind of the, the place where, where NBA defense begins. And I think it was, it's just a smart idea to start streamlining things and, and begin there and add on things as the, as the year went on, I think when we, we talk about the go the year before the Gobert, before Gobert got here, they kind of chose a style of defense to play before the season. And I think that's why that really benefited them. They were super aggressive and Finch referred to it as we only had a fastball, but we threw it all season. We threw it decently well. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think they kind of came into this training camp with that same energy of like, we know what we are going to try and do. We're not going to, Maybe we'll add things as the season goes on, and I think they kind of have. I, I mean, zone has become a a pretty frequent feature yeah. uh, of of their defense, but I just think it fits the group. I think it's intuitive to start with a plan in training camp and get it going from there. Um, in your story, and and I think this actually came from a media availability I was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finch talked about he kind of made that decision in training camp. Can you kind of go into when the kind of light switched in his head uh, about what this defense needed or figuring out this defense's identity in training camp? Yeah, he said he said day two didn't go quite as well as he had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and Like right before Abu Dhabi, right? Right before Abu Dhabi, that, those, that little practice window they had. And so day three, he said he spent all on defense. It was mm-hmm. just drilling defense the entire time. And he left pretty satisfied that day. And that was kind of the day it all started to come together. And I think that they realized that they could play defense at a, at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the phrase Finch has used um, multiple times uh, now is activating the defenders. And that's that means like activating uh you know Jaden when he's in there mm-hmm. activating the keel activating ant especially and trying to play to ant's strengths sure. on the defensive end of the floor um and obviously mike is a is a defensive upgrade over d'angelo russell as well so that helps in terms of you know some of the on-ball defense that they're that they're looking to play so pretty early on they realized that that this could that this could work and you know Rudy was a believer, uh, I, and I think Rudy came in with a lot of ideas uh, over the summer, uh, even from his darkness retreat. I remember, I remember him talking yeah. when I did the story about his darkness retreat. Literally, he was envisioning how the defense was going to be playing this season. Just like digging in the right. sand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drawing X's and O's in the sand, <laughs> little lines, yeah. yeah. Um, so so he, he thinks about it all the time. He's coming up with ideas all the time to throw to to elston that's why finch said in the story i think he wears elston out yeah i like sometimes uh and but elston loves to coach rudy says you know it's it's a great it's a great relationship because you see just how much he cares about that end of the floor how much he cares about winning um and you know when you have a guy like that it just makes a defensive coordinator's job all that much more interesting and, and and fun to try to come up with ways to to you know, perfectly utilize that that sort of weapon. Can we talk about Elston for a little bit? Like, mm-hmm. and maybe this is like a little behind the curtain of media and how how stuff works. Like, 
we, we don't talk to the assistant coaches that much. I mean, we would finish yeah. media availabilities all the time. And obviously Elson's been a coach here for a while. You and I both know him, but it's a lot of our interactions with the assistant coaches aren't much more than like a what's up as we're walking down the hallway. Right. And yeah. I've been, I've been thinking about this because we know that Elson Turner is the defensive coordinator. We know this defense has been awesome. And I think we also know that making this defense awesome requires kind of, I, I think a personality at the core of it. And I think, I think fin- obviously we know Finch is, is at the core of that too and managing the personalities of that. Mm-hmm. But I picture in my head, the defensive coordinator having to have, particularly with this group, like the right type of personality to engage very different types of personality. Ant is different than Mike Conley. Right. It's different right. than Rudy Gobert. What you, you interviewed Elston Turner for this story. I'm just kind of curious, like perspective that, that you have on why maybe Elston Turner is such a good fit and, and obviously a good mind defensively, mm-hmm. but maybe a good personality. You get what I'm getting at right there? Yeah. 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 How, yeah. how he kind of juggles all of it. And yeah. well, first of all, he's been in the league for a long time, been an assistant mm-hmm. coach for a long time. So he has the, the resume, the, the respect, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, a long career, not only as a player, but as a, as a coach in the NBA. So right there, um, you know, he commands respect. Uh, he's an easygoing dude. He's funny. Um, you know, he has his great sense of humor. Um, it, it's kind of like kind of similar to Finch in that way. Like they're both kind of easygoing dudes. But I think underneath kind of that, that once the ball is tipped, there's a fiery competitiveness about, about each of them. Um, Elson Turner was like that in his playing days, um, you know, because he made his bones on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and I think one of the things that's that's a philosophical match between uh, Elston and Finch, and one of the reasons why Finch brought Elston in a couple of years ago was because both of them prefer to play an aggressive sort of style of yeah. defense. And so when you get Rudy in and you think it's more traditional drop, more conservative defense, that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't really align. If they have, if they had to do it, they would do it. Right. If that's what it took to win. Well, that's what was last year. That's what it was last year. But ultimately Finch and Elston Turner want to play more of an aggressive in your face style of defense. Mm -hmm. That's just how they are wired. Sure. And that's what you're seeing the collaboration and combination of this year between what Rudy has done in the past and what philosophically they want to do ultimately, which is be aggressive on the defensive end of the floor. You know, what's interesting to me about that is the Tim Conley angle of this, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, that if you're Tim Conley, I mean, particularly because he's worked with Chris Finch before, you know, that's his preference is that Finch wants to play a more aggressive defensive scheme. When Conley comes in, he the Wolves are coming out of being the most the, the most aggressive pick-and-roll coverage mm-hmm. team in the league, right? Up in coverage all mm-hmm. the time, all that, turnovers everywhere. It's an interesting move to know that your coach is an aggressive defensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator is an aggressive defensive coordinator right. to be like, let's go get the most conservative great defensive player in the league and Rudy Gobert and plug him into that. And like on the surface, you go, that doesn't make sense. But 
but maybe there is something to like maybe Rudy like and that conservative nature kind of balances it out in a way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And maybe I guess I would I pro- I probably would be making that connection if it hadn't been working as well, but that's an interesting element, right? That mm-hmm. that Conley was like, I know these coaches, I know what they want to do. I know Rudy and I know what he wants to do and I'm going to decide to put them together. That doesn't make sense on paper and it very much has made sense uh, in practice. I just think that's a, I guess that's a credit to Kim, Tim Conley, right? It, it, it has. And I, I, you know, I wonder how much, you know, we talk a lot about how the offensive fit was going to be, um, you know, at the time of the trade. And, and I do wonder, you know, maybe next time we, we get a chance to talk to Tim on the record, we'll mm-hmm. ask him about like, you know, how yeah. much did you consider like a defensive fit and the way that Rudy might be able to play defense in a little different style than maybe he was used to. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's an interesting thing to, to ponder. One, another note, I think that's that Rudy has been allowing this team to do. And I, th- I think I mentioned this briefly in the story. I, I can't remember if I did. Um, but take think back to two years ago when they were playing the the high wall coverage, it really was just like scramble around with almost no yeah. no attention to like specific game plan sort of matchups, right? Like if if somebody was like a deadly corner three point shooter, let's say a Desmond Bain, right? Um, they weren't really specifically trying to take out. Uh, that particular player. I don't think you like, can when you're in that scheme. Well, that's exactly it. Right. That 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 was that's exactly what they were sacrificing by playing mm-hmm. that scheme. Is like we might be susceptible to the corner three occasionally mm-hmm. um, playing this style where we're trying to force a bunch of turnovers. Um, and like we said, it worked, you know, for them overall. But it did have some weaknesses and some holes. I think what this new scheme is allowing them to do, and it's something I've asked about recently too, is like they're a little more game plan specific or they're, they're mm. be, they've been able to be a little more game plan specific. And listen, we can't be helping off of this guy or we have to make sure this guy's covered at the three point line. Um, this, this new, this kind of newish scheme is, is allowing them to be a little more, uh, a little more focused on right. individual uh, on individual players and how those players may be able to hurt them. It keeps you out of rotation a little bit, right? Like when we're talking about the corner in particular, when you bring the second big up, right, mm-hmm. as they did two years ago, when we're talking about this aggressive scheme, you put two guys on the ball, somebody has, the low man has to rotate over right. underneath the basket, and they're leaving the corner shooter, right? Yep. There's yep. no, that's the plan. So the corner is going to be open. They can stay a little bit more home, I think. Because in, Rudy in, can get back and exactly. Rudy can be your – yes, yeah. Yes. Um, let me grab a, a break here quick. We have two tickets uh, to give away uh, from the Genesis company for Tuesday night's game tomorrow. I haven't even announced this yet, so like get your, get your <laughs> things in. There's not very many people, obviously, who are going to be in this drawing. Um, this is the Tuesday game against Oklahoma City. We have two lower-level tickets to give away – uh, to subscribers. So if you are a subscriber at patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA, send us a message there that lets us know that you are available for Tuesday's game against Oklahoma City. We will pick someone uh, for that, for those two tickets sometime, probably Tuesday morning. So be checking uh, your messages and, and emails there. But we'd love 
we're just excited to to get um, people into the stadium this season to to watch uh, to see this team play, uh, which has obviously been a very good team. Uh, so patreon.com slash Dane Moore NBA. That's in the show notes uh, below or in your podcast player. Send us a message there. And obviously, we also appreciate you supporting the show that way. Again, patreon.com slash Dane Moore MBA. Chris, I want to talk a little bit more about the defense because I spent some time just looking at numbers this morning of, you know, where do they rank? Blah, blah, blah. I, I did that whole thing. They're tied in second right now uh, with Orlando. Houston has moved to being the number one defense. The Wolves are uh, 11th in defense over the last two weeks. So they, after kind of the first two weeks, came out blazing number one defense in the league. Right. They've been good, uh, uh, not but not great. Their kind of main thing is opponents shoot terrible against them. <laughs> They're the only team that in the league <laughs> who has – I mean, that that's defense too. It's it's kind of that thing where we're like, well, is this shooting luck? Is this whatever? I think we're beginning to understand that, to your point of what we were talking about before the break, they're staying home much more often, which is upping the level of their contests against against teams, which is – you know, having opponents shoot well under their average from three, well under their average from two. They're the only team in the league who has an effective field goal percentage against under 50%, which is elite, elite league average is about 54%. The one thing we, we were doing this thing a lot where uh, it's like they held the team under a hundred points. Right. And obviously that's a, a great thing in the league. You're going to win often when you hold the team, under 100 points, but sometimes games have a lot of possessions. You can have a really good defensive game and allow an opponent to score over 100 points in a game. Mm -hmm. The thing I looked up this morning, I was just going through their game log last night against Memphis was the sixth time they've held an opponent under one or at one point per possession or less over the course of the season. I kind of like view those as like home run, defensive games they've had again they've had six of those there are only five teams in the league who have done that more than twice all season boston's done it three times houston's done it five times the clippers have done it three times the wolves have done it six times and orlando has done it five times it's tough to lose games when you have a home run defensive game where you're holding the opponent um under one point per possession there nine teams in the league haven't even done that one time all season it's I I think that's the bar that you're looking at and that's a bar that this team I mean that's almost half their games this year that they're they're doing that I don't know if that's going to sustain but I would look at that rather than the 100 points line just because sometimes it's going to be a ton of possessions but I think this is a home run hitting defensive team where there are nights where they can just shut you down and they've done that more often and more frequently than, than, than any other team in the league. And I, I guess we, we, we kind of know it's all the things we're, we're talking about here, but that is, that is really, that, those are pretty crazy numbers to be able to do that in those, almost half your games. That's, that's, it's insane. And, you know, you think about the shooting numbers and it's, it's, it's always a discussion. It's like, is three-point shooting percentage defense? Is it all, is our product of bad luck or, or good luck, or is it a mm. product of your ability to shot contest? And I think the answer lies just personally somewhere in the middle. Sure, uh, and I think they think that too. 
Um, you know, I, I think they I think they do realize that they are a little lucky when it comes to three point percentage defense. But I also think they think they're contesting shots a little better this year, sure. um, and they have in recent years. So I think you know you might expect a night like the Kings game where a team shoots what do they shoot forty six percent overall from from three in that game. Um, you're going to have those. You're going to have those nights. You might have a night where it's a, just a different kind of matchup. But I think overall, for how the league plays, how they match up with a lot of teams in this league, they're going to they're going to be a problem to score on more nights than not. And currently, they don't have their best perimeter defender out there. Yeah. Um, there is that too, and and there hasn't been that much of a drop off when he hasn't played this year because he missed a couple games in the mm-hmm. in the beginning of the season as well. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, we talk about, is this sustainable? Like people around the league are wondering is, is what the wolves are doing sustainable? And I think more of it is than not, um, you know, one number that always concerns me is the rebounding rate. And that's been going steadily down since the season began. They're now, I think 21st when I looked it up in defensive rebounding percentage, um, that has just been kind of slowly mm-hmm. going down so that concerns me a little bit um but overall that's that's about the only you know one of the only things i have to i have so to it's a meat on the bone pick. thing right? yeah yeah, yeah as, exactly. as mitch would say i, I looked yeah. it up this morning 23rd in in defensive rebounding rate okay. uh, as of as of this morning um ninth in turnovers mm-hmm. i or turnovers generated i think they could probably mm-hmm. get a few more of those too there's a little meat on that bone there we've seen them uh, be be better than that. Maybe you get Jaden back, and you have you have more of that in the mix. Um, but yeah, it's it's the it's the three point uh, it's the three point shooting that you kind of go. Is there not meat on the bone? Whatever the opposite of meat right. on the bone is there. Like, is that is that going to change? Is that going to to come back uh, in the other direction? They have the fourth best three point defense right now 33.4 percent is what teams are shooting against them from three and i think it's interesting to the the king's example from two games ago i guess it is now is and i think this kind of ties into what we were talking about in segment one of the being able to stay if if the wolves can be there and have a body in front of their man and contest the shot we know they're going to do a good job of that they're as long as anyone this this is all intuitive right Right, it makes sense that they're good at it. But you think about Sacramento as the fastest team they've played, probably the fastest team in the league. It's harder to keep your body in there and to have your shot contests on there. So I think like in general, even if it's not a really good three point shooting team, like Sacramento is the faster teams play. I think the worse in like in the aggregate, the wolves defense will be it's, it's obviously the Sacramento game is the one of the, worst losses i guess of the the season they don't they'll have four but right. like but that's what i'm going to be thinking about not just from a transition defense standpoint i used to always think about speed from transition defense mm-hmm. but that's been a lot better this season you know credit credit to them that was a huge issue with cat yeah. and rudy on the floor but it's the chase element and it's having that body to have those shot contests because we know this team can contest at a really high level it's can they keep up with every with the opponent to get those shot contests uh, to matter. I think that's something to kind of look at in this Oklahoma city game mm-hmm. on Tuesday. That's a, that's a team that's going to run on you a little bit. They play a little bit smaller and and faster. And, and I'm kind of excited for those games, honestly, over the course of the year to be like, well, 
how much of a problem is this or, or isn't it? Um, because I feel like the, that's really the only question with the defense is how real are these shooting numbers against? We think they're very real. Are they a hundred percent real? They're 95% real. I just, I, that stuck, stood out in my mind against Sacramento of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not super surprised. Like that was a somewhat shooting lucky game for the Kings, but, they're fast. They move. But they were getting good they looks. They move the ball. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they were getting good looks. Much more concise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I, and I would also add that the Wolves did not have Jaden in that game. And, sure. you know, if, if mm-hmm. you know, I wonder how creative Finch gets in certain moments. Like, do you see, like, lineups with both Jaden and Nikhil on the floor to – try and counteract some of that I want speed, that, man. you know, yeah. like, like, you know, when they, when they're going to play each other again around Christmas time and we expect Jaden to be, to be back by then. So it'll be interesting to see that game around Christmas, um, you know, just kind of how the wolves respond uh, mm-hmm. to what happened on, on Friday night. And if Jaden and both Nikhil are healthy and maybe you combine that with, with Ant, like, what is that, what does that look like in terms of their, their ability mm-hmm. to counteract some of that speed. And I think they might be able to a little bit, a little bit better than they did on Friday. I, I want to give Ant some credit, like defensively, since Jaden's mm-hmm. been out too. Mm-hmm. I think I pick at a lot of Ant's defensive stuff in general, because like we know he can be an elite defender and oftentimes he isn't right. So mm-hmm. you're asking the question of, of why he is or why he isn't. I think he's really stepped up in, yeah. in Jaden's absence of kind of understanding that that's what this team needs. This team, to, I think, to be an elite, elite defense needs to have two high-level defensive wings on the floor at, at a time. And if Jaden's out, Ant needs to kind of be that other guy that steps in next to Nikhil to be able to to do that. And, and I think he has. And that's why, you know, there's all those stats floating around now of the net point differential with Ant and it's really encouraging to see that yeah the offense is way better when he's on the floor I think that's intuitive but the defense has been way better when he's on the floor and I don't think that's just a product of him you know he's playing the majority of his minutes with Rudy or anything like that like Ant's defense uh, is is growing and it's in general generally speaking you know and i reading or listening to like a different team's broadcast or something like that. They, you know, they say Ant is this elite two-way player. And I'm always like, ah, you know, sometimes, uh, but, but right. he really, he really has been these few weeks, this, these I, last few games. I, I would agree. I think he's working harder on that end of the floor. He's not as much of a liability off the ball. Um, you know, I think, you know, getting around screens is still something that's, you know, challenging for him. Um, um, that's, you know, one of the areas where he's going to have to improve the most. But I think what's encouraging just in the overall arc of Ant's career is how much still potential he has on that end of the floor, how much he seems to care about it. Um, and we do know that, you know, the more it's a zero sum game, a lot of times with Ant when it comes to, how much you ask him to do offensively versus how much you ask him to do defensively. He's not quite at that stage where you can fill up his cup on both ends of the floor. 
right? You have to have a little give and take. Uh, if you're if you're putting a lot on him offensively, you have to try to lighten the burden on him defensively. But if you're going to ask him to play defense a little more, he's going to want to use those offensive possessions to rest. And mm-hmm. so that might lead to more kind Carl. of lazy off. Right. It leads to wanting to get Carl more involved. But it also if he's mm-hmm. on offense, it might lead to more lazy possessions where he's not wanting to attack the rim as much. He's, he'll settle more. Um, you know, that, that sort of offense. Right. So I think that's another step in his progression is just finding that extra gear where you, where your offense and defense don't come at the expense of each other. And you, you know, cause I still think he's, he's in that mode right now. Today's show is brought to you by the game time app and game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third party website onto my phone. But with the Game Time app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate. And that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, Check out the Game Time app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone, so no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, Create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Chris, related to, and I want to start talking about the the shooting uh, of of this team. That's the other theme I kind of wanted to hit uh, on on here. It's we were just talking about Ant, and I think when we say he might 
run out of energy or or get lazy mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, I want to say I don't want to say lazy either. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think that's the right word. Settle, maybe um, settle. Settling, more right, right. Because he's it, he's working hard out there. Like he is, for sure. he's giving yeah. a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I would yeah I, I would want to amend that word for sure. Yeah, I, I just think uh, one way we're seeing that whatever we're talking about with the shot distribution, I, I was just looking up. I wanted to look up some three point shooting because I want to talk about or where this team is at three point shooting wise because I want to talk about Conley. But when I was looking uh, up just some shooting numbers, I noticed that the Wolves do take the most mid range shots in the league right now. Yeah. That that is that is. But do you know they're also number one in mid range field goal percentage? <laughs> thus far this season so it's like one of those things where they're like the bank is uh, open (laughs) yeah right 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 they're they're going in i i an important element of that is though that the majority of the wolves mid-range shots are those short mid-range that floater range mid-range shot that they're taking and and i think we can we can picture that that's a lot of mike conley in the floater range that's a lot of kyle anderson in the floater range carl kind of on those runners the long mid-ranges really have almost only been Ant, Ant. which yeah. he's been good at. So that's why I say I say that to mean I get why they have the number one field goal percentage from mid-range in the league this season because they're taking the, the better mid-range shots uh, more often than not. And the harder mid-range shots, they're having Ant take, who is all of a sudden really good at those. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's, it's creating something at least thus far – that is that is working. I think we can. We're not going to anticipate that the wolves shoot over fifty percent from mid range for for the entirety of the season, which gets me thinking about the one concern, probably the biggest concern I have with this team is just overall shooting and and floor spacing and and the ability to do that. And I thought about that a lot last night as Mike Conley makes that three on the first possession of the game, finishes the night six for nine from three, and is just having another uh, insane shooting night. And when I've been thinking about shooting a lot on this team, I've been, I've been doing the thing. I'm like, do they need to go get a shooter at the trade deadline? Does Troy Brown need to be in the rotation over shake Milton? Like all of these ways to add shooting into the rotation, but another way to get more shooting into the rotation is to have your shooters in the rotation, shoot more and make more. And, and Mike Conley is doing that. Carl's been doing, more of that of late ant has started to take more threes and make more threes as the, as the season has, has gone on. And I think that's part of the answer here too. Maybe they do go get a shooter at the deadline. Maybe Troy Brown jr. Jr. Usurps uh, shake Milton in the rotation eventually, but those are, that stuff's small. It's, it's, it's about do your main guys take and make threes, not just because, Obviously, it's good to make a three, but because that holds the spacing of the floor and those things. And I think Mike Conley in particular, taking and making threes this season is doing so much for the spacing this year that, you know, that's the difference between him and D'Lo. D'Lo was trying to get into the mid-range and play from there. And the mid-range is inherently going to be congested on this team because Carl and Rudy are in that area a bunch, just big, big bodies. So I think... It is just um, just pretty incredible what, what Mike has added to this team from a shooting perspective. I looked it up, points per shot attempt for point guards in the league. The top five, Steph Curry, number one, Tyrese Halliburton, number two, Mike Conley, number three, Shea Gilders-Alexander, number four, Luka Doncic, 
number five. I mean, Mike had an incredible shooting stretch once he was acquired after the deadline last year, but it's been even better uh, to to start off the the beginning of this season. Where where are you seeing Mike's uh, offensive impact most? You spelled it out so so well there. It's like when he was in Utah, he didn't have the the weapons around him that created the kind of shots he's getting right now, right? Great point. Or the kind of opportunities that he's getting. And he still, I'm looking up his numbers from Utah now, he still shot like 41% from three-point range uh, during his time in Utah. Um, the last the last season there, he was down 36%. But then he comes to the Wolves, and all of a sudden, it's like back up to 42% from three-point range. Um, I, I think his, his usage needs to be higher as long as Jaden is out for sure. That's a that's a must. Yep. Like Jaden's usage shouldn't go to Nikhil on the offensive end of the floor. It should be going to Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. Um and he should be picking up that that slack as long as Jaden's out. Because we know Jaden is also an excellent three point shooter. Yep. Uh, so as long as Jaden's out, Mike Conley should be hunting his shot a little more and should be trying to score a little bit more. And and we've heard Mike kind of kind of talk about that kind of, I don't know, what's the word, the toggle or kind of tug. Uh, you know, when he first got here, you know, he he didn't realize that they needed him to score as much as they did. Then he sure. realized, oh, shoot, they do need me to score. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, he started shooting more. He started scoring more. And he was up to the challenge of doing it. Um, so he is more than than just the the floor spacer, general, take control of the offense, uh when things start getting sticky, he, his ability to score keeps the defense honest and makes Ant's playmaking so much more important, makes Carl's playmaking so much more important when he's potentially standing out there ready to hit a three. And we, we know he has great chemistry with Rudy. We know the floater is one of his patented moves. Like you just think about the. I, I had a Memphis uh, reporter friend of mine text me last night. He's like, Conley just makes so much sense with this team, like just like a hundred percent. Like he, he he does so much for just the stability, leadership in the room, but like also just offensive fit. Like stylistically, it's 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 a really is kind of a perfect match in that way. I never I never thought about this before until you were just just. Describing again what Mike went through after the the trade deadline, where he kind of mm-hmm. comes in and he's like, "All right, this team's loaded with scorers and offense. Like I'm going to take a back seat." Mm-hmm. You know what that is similar to is Jimmy Butler when he got here in mm. the first year, where he was kind of like, "All right, like they got Wiggins, Towns, whatever. Like I'm going to do everything else. Those guys are going to go get the buckets." And and after about 20 games. Jimmy was like, all right, we're actually a, we need a little bit more offense. We need, we need more of me. And mm-hmm. I Jimmy did that more on a, on a star level. And Mike's is everything Mike does is a little bit more low key, but that really in that 2017, 18 season, which is, I guess, probably the season that's most similar to this one in the past 20 years is once Jimmy kind of clicked into more of a primary higher usage guy, the team keep getting, getting better and better. And, and I think that's also the case with Mike. Now there's maybe more of a ceiling to his minutes or what his usage can be, but it's more about the mentality of aggression that I think Mike now knows. I think he knows what 
where that dial needs to be for him. And again, I think part of that is just basically shooting. This team needs yeah, shooting. It team needs shooting. it. And, and shooting begets floor spacing, which begets opening up the rim for all these, these other things to happen. And Mike, you know, he's shooting from, from the corners this season. Guess uh, 50, 64. Oh, <laughs> even better than I thought. Yeah, sixty-four percent from three, thirty-eight percent from above the break, forty-six percent overall uh, from three. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say enough good things about Mike Conley, but but to uh-huh. your point, or I guess to your friend's point, it's uh-huh. just becoming increasingly obvious by the game that he fits exactly what this team needs. Uh, from the point guard position, mm-hmm. and and they're really, really benefiting from that. Chris, before we uh, wrap up here, I don't know if you have any other stray thoughts from from the Grizzlies game or anything else like that. We were we were talking before we hit record about how Tuesday night uh, the the Wolves next game, and there won't be any yeah. odds until until that game is is the final uh, in season tournament game. I know they need to like blow Oklahoma City out by yeah. a, a million points. Can you can you just <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't spent the time to really dig into it. What what what's going on? They basically the yeah. So so they basically need to have any shot of of making this. They need uh what are they, Golden State to beat the Kings, and then they need to blow out uh, Oklahoma City by I don't know, at least like eighteen points or more or something mm-hmm. like that to to make sure that they uh, get the so probably not going to happen. Of, it's probably not going to happen, right? Exactly. Unless they so just what does it mean? come and so, blow the doors off. Yeah. I, I think, again, like last week or before the Kings mm-hmm. game, we kind of assumed the Wolves were going to be one of the eight teams in the knockout round of the right. season tournament. Now, more likely than not, they're not going to be. What happens if they're <laughs> not in the season tournament? Are they Playing it's a good question, week. Dane. Yes, yeah, okay, good question. They will play two games if they don't make uh, the final eight. Okay. Uh, they will play, I believe those dates are December 6th and 8th. 8th, yep. Yes. Uh, one will be a road game. One will be a home game. And so you're wondering, like, okay, so who are they going to play? I don't even know those, who it – like, who is available right. to be played? Like, so be, I, I kind of – have the schedule a little outlined in my head just okay. because of all the traveling I need to do. And I, and I know which cities they go to only once that they could go to twice. Um, so is that what it has to be? I, that's, I, think I, I mean, I mean it, it does. It doesn't like, so it, it all, it, it all depends on like who's in the final eight too. Obviously, like if a team is in the final eight, you're not going to be playing them. Okay. If they were like, like for instance, Sacramento could be, a potential road opponent for the Wolves because they only go to Sacramento once this season. Okay. So Sacramento, that fourth matchup with Sacramento could have been a possibility, but because Sacramento is probably going to win this group, mm-hmm. Sacramento's out. Um, okay. Other teams that they play, Western Conference teams that they play on the road only once um, are Memphis. Um, and, nice. w- and wouldn't you like to get that again while they're still hurting and Jaw is still out? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Houston okay. is another is another possibility there. Um, so those are maybe two two sort of matchups to watch. Like I said, Sacramento was also another one. Um, the, the Lakers, I believe, was also another team 
that they only go on the road to play once, but the Lakers have won their group, so they're in the final eight. Um, so they're off the table as well. Uh, the potential home matchups, I believe, Golden this is State. Good. This Golden, is good. You've 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 dug into this. <laughs> Golden State. Uh, Jace also kind of dug into this as okay. well. We kind of, I think we both were on the same page with this. Uh, Golden State is a potential home opponent uh, because they only come to Target Center once this year, uh, and I believe San Antonio mm. is another potential one. Okay. Uh, opponent. So there's a possibility that, you know, your two games, uh, you know, these two games could be against San Antonio and Memphis. And that's pretty much a, a great draw if you're the Wolves, right? Mm-hmm. You know, two of the worst teams in the in the Western Conference at this moment. So, so that, the, that's that would be something to watch out for is when the NBA makes that right. that kind of supplemental schedule. Who do the Wolves end up playing? Because there could be a big difference in who they pl- end up playing in these two games. Which I would have to imagine would like come out at the end of this week. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, it, you would think like after the after the games are all wrapped up, they should be able to figure that all out. Um, I would assume it wouldn't be more than a day or two afterwards, or maybe they'll have maybe they'll just have them ready that night. We'll see. So uh, said differently, the one hard and fast rule is if you've already played, you already have a team on your schedule four times, meaning two road games, two home games. Right. You can't they're, play that. They're not going. They're not going to want to create a fifth matchup, or, or I should say, they're probably going to try to avoid that as much as possible. I would have to think yeah. that. Yeah, that seems unconstitutional, right, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> to like to, to to have right, five. and you're not going to play an Eastern team a third time, right? Yeah, yeah that's also not going to happen. So that's um, what we should be looking yeah. at is teams that in the Western Conference that they've only played one time on the road. Um, that is who they will get, provided they, they are not a team Correct. in the end season tournament. Correct. Uh, will be one of those. And a, and a Western Conference team they only played once at home that is not in the end season tournament grouping there. It's kind of like a weird incentive for not really, making the in-season tournament. It, it, but but it's like, but you're at the mercy of like yeah, right. the schedule, the schedule gods and who makes it and who doesn't. And yeah. and yeah, backing into a benefit, I guess. If I mean, but it could end up that way again, if they end up playing Memphis and San Antonio, like, you know, that would be, yeah. that would be a great result for them. If, if, it, if it wound up like that. And I, and I do wonder how much of the NBA scheduling went into like, like if you notice, like they're grouped with a lot of these teams that they play only three times. Mm-hmm. So like I think the NBA might have done that on purpose. Oh, that makes sense. Where that it's like, sense. okay, we'll group them in the tournament with the teams that they only play three times in the Western Conference. So then we could just match them back up mm. together again. If you notice, Memphis is not in that group, so it might end up being Golden okay. State. If I if I had to guess now, I would say they're probably going to end up playing Golden State in San Antonio. If, if I was to make it. Oh, actually, no, that wouldn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, because they only they play them, they play, they already play them twice on the road. So, yeah, I take that back. doesn't make sense. Um, so Somebody maybe, smarter Memphis, than us is probably Memphis and, Houston, Memphis and Houston are, are the teams. Houston could still end up winning its group. Okay. So, I think I think if you're a Wolves fan and you're, you're actually secretly rooting for something to happen um, on the in-season tournament on Tuesday night, root for Houston to, to make it. Yeah. Because that, I think that means that's more likely to mean that you're going to play Memphis on the road. Okay. Um, so root for Houston. 
uh, okay. if you're a Wolves fan. No, that this was this was helpful for yeah. me. <laughs> I was not paying attention to this uh, yeah. over over Thanksgiving week. Uh, he's he's Christopher Hine. Uh, read that that story was was really good. Again, we don't get a lot of uh, the assistant coaches voices mm-hmm. or understanding of their impact uh, on on the team. I, I think from some of the small conversations that Chris and myself and some of the other reporters have, you understand how important it is the the coaches who individually work with with different players like Joe Boylan with Jade McDaniels and the growth growth of that, uh, Mike Nori and the the things he does for Finch. But Elston Turner's thing is is the defense, and I'm glad. I think it's just very deserving that right mm-hmm. the defensive coordinator of of this team gets some shine. And and I think I think Elston's a an interesting character in all this. So again, check that out over uh, at the Star Tribune dot com. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep talking. But we didn't we didn't really get into a ton of details from the Grizzlies game. Like Troy Brown, we see you. Uh, you've you've yeah. played well. Uh, we're you know we're tracking the shake versus Troy Brown thing and and how that goes. Obviously, uh, a bunch of foul trouble last night too, which is a a factor in in this defense uh, overall. But again, the Wolves take care of business in Memphis on the backbone that has become the backbone of this team, uh, which is their defense, which which Chris. Um, broke down uh, in his piece so check that out and and the wolves kind of keep rolling next up is is oklahoma city on on tuesday night chris and i will be there to uh to watch that game and jason and i will talk about it on wednesday morning uh, until then he's chris at christopher hein on twitter i'm dane at dane moore nba peace out how i'm feeling man i hope it never stop yeah green it hard so you can find me in the crowd yeah yeah don't let standards ever ever bring you down yeah hope you dancing like nobody else around everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.